0: When you're there, click on the podcast button. And if you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. Lastly, the best way to keep up with our programs and trips is to join our email newsletter. And you can do that at jmbnews.com. Welcome to another episode of the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast, episode 75. It is Sunday, August 18th, Christopher and I in the Guide Shack drinking coffee. Uh, knowing that we don't have a whole lot to do today and it's glorious yeah it's pretty amazing um after a pretty dry summer we've had a few solid days of rain uh so nice rainy morning everything's wet and we're happy to have
1: something over our heads other than a hat this morning yeah preferably one made out of tinfoil because i heard a thing about uh a certain delicious treat in maine that i think is going to blow your mind (coughs) yes the this is all about government conspiracy yes, it, right It really now. is. It's a big problem. It's
0: a huge deal.
1: Yeah. So yesterday, I attended the uh, Portage Lake Whoopie Pie Festival, which was... An entire who- festival. An entire festival of whoopie pies. Of whoopie pies. It was pretty glorious. Um, great way to wrap up week one. But, Tim and I discovered this morning that we've been lied to. The government is not our friend. No. The government
0: has been lying to no. us. No. If, that is, if we can trust the the website AnswersDrive.com. <laughs> Which we can, because it's on the internet. It's got to be true. It's got to be. So for years, I've been saying that Maine has two official state desserts, the blueberry pie and the whoopie pie. But according to AnswersDrive.com, the whoopie pie is the state treat, and the blueberry pie is the state dessert. I just, I just don't know what to believe anymore. I am gassing up my truck right now. I'm headed down to Augusta. I'm going to start picketing the state legislature. This is a grievance that needs to be addressed. Can you do it in a whoopie pie costume? (laughs) I will be dressed as a giant whoopie pie standing and uh, the sign I will hold will say I demand respect and equal. And then I'm going to have like a, like a giant inflatable blueberry pie that I'm going to throw rotten tomatoes at or something. I I don't know what, but it's going to be a really (laughs) frivolous and ridiculous Attempt at trying to get my grievances addressed. <laughs> Who could argue with that? <laughs> oh, so we just wrapped up... Uh,
1: <laughs> we just... Yeah, we just wrapped up week one. Wrapped up week one. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was great. Students got sort of the basic of basics of camp living, a little bit of intro into tool use, and they're pretty well settled in, cooking over the fires every night, and enjoying their weekend off yeah so
0: we work pretty hard here during the week so it's nice to take weekends to do laundry get some groceries relax read go a, a whoopie pie festival go to a whoopie pie festival go down to the state government and address grievances about labeling of different dessert foods i thought
1: you said in a dress <laughs> go down to the state the a state house and yeah, I, I already told you i'm wearing a whoopie pie costume right right I just misheard you. I'm sorry.
0: Which could be, you know, are Whoopi Pie what costumes... What if it's a dress ju- are they with a Whoopi Pie pattern on it? Ooh, that's interesting too. <laughs> could yeah. be interesting. I mean, I'm probably going to be there. I don't I'll don't. wear the dress. You wear the costume. I don't imagine they're going to take up my uh, my fight for liberty immediately. So I'll probably be down there for a few months. And I probably Uh-oh. won't want to wear the same <laughs> costume so. all the time.
1: <laughs> probably so. Yeah, you got to shake it up. People get bored of seeing a Whoopi Pie costume. Right. I want to pick it.
0: The state capitol with a sign that says, I have no strong opinion. <laughs> Everything seems okay. <laughs> so one of the things that happened this last week, uh, we needed to print something. So this is this little story is all about the realities of off-grid living. Here in the Guide Shack, I've got a so off-grid solar power system. We've got two solar panels. They run through a charge controller into a battery box that is uh, kind of mounted on the outside of the building. So, and then those batteries are vented. There's some holes drilled into the wood that makes up the battery box to vent any gases. Um, so the, what we run with that off-grid solar system is uh, lights and I charge batteries. I have a little radio and I can run a laptop. I also have a printer here but um, who knew when we got the printer that it would be the thing that would crash the system. So when the printer fires up, it crashes the inverter. It draws too much juice, so we can't really we can't use the printer with the solar power system. So luckily, we also have a generator here, a little Honda generator as a backup. Had it for about 15 years. What a great piece of kit. They're not cheap, but man, are they're, they're pretty awesome. So we use that whenever we have to do any big construction, run power tools, stuff like that. So we have the generator. But I also need to run the generator if I'm going to print anything. I have to plug the printer into the generator because, again, it crashes the solar system. So the, the generator lives in the battery box as well. So... You know what <laughs>
1: else lives in the battery well, box? Well, let me,
0: let, me, let me finish the, the battery box. So And we designed it that way. So if we get a, a stretch of real bad weather, I can run the generator... And then charge the batteries from the generator and it's all uh, out of the rain, right? It's all undercover. So little did we know when we built the battery box as it is, it's like the perfect little home for bees and wasps and all that. So so earlier this week we needed to print something, but I knew because I had looked in the battery box, uh, I don't know, during one of the summer programs, there's a massive hornet's nest inside the battery box. Right so you know somebody said hey we need to print something and I said well you know we can't print because the we need the generator to print the generator is directly next to a massively large hornet's nest so essentially we had to do something about the hornet's nest before we could print anything so this is the reality of off-grid living right a bunch of a bunch of hornets stopping us from using a printer um yeah so We finally decided to address that Friday. It wasn't yesterday. It was Friday.
1: Thursday. Thursday.
0: So we finally decided to address it. So we propped up the lid of the battery box. And another example of why a canoe pole should be 12 feet long. Christopher
1: grabbed a canoe pole. And I'll let you tell the story from there. Uh, Yeah, we propped it up and then had somebody hold my dog because she's not bright. And then I just poked the hornet's nest. I literally poked the hornet's nest with a pole. And Dude, then wasn't ran there away. a book like The Girl Who
0: Kicked the Bee's Nest or something? Uh, uh, Stig Larson or something? Didn't they make a the movie out of that? Girl with the Dragon Tattoo? That's, I think the same guy, but there was something about a bee's nest or...
1: I don't know. Do you think Stig Larson's related to Heath Larson? Oh, boy. There's anyway, a conspiracy theory. Anyway, um, yeah, so poked it and kind of ran away and let him calm down. Came back a little bit later and poked it again and uh they're still pretty angry they're not they're not totally over it yet i don't yeah think. but once it fall, it was yeah. attached to like the roof of the
0: battery box so once we get it and it's down i think they'll abandon it yeah. so then any like paperwork that needs to be done will finally start getting done again yeah. and we'll no
1: longer have the you know hornets are stopping me from using the printer excuse you know they like pulp up wood to make their nests and to basically paper do you think this is a conspiracy too that they're that they're taking the paper. They're taking the paper to make their nests and not letting us do paperwork. Maybe that it might be that that could be. It could be. I don't think you can prove it isn't. They might be working with the state legislature. They might be the whole whoopie pie thing. They might be
0: um, because I would have already sent off like a hundred angry letters. Exactly. They're, from a they're guy. sleeper agents. That's what they are. Uh, can you imagine, like in the governor's <laughs> office, like
1: we got another letter from that guy in Arvestic County? Send in the wasps. <laughs> In my head, he has a monocle and is speaking to the queen of the wasps. Like, we'll it, send
0: it in the wasps. It's actually a, uh, Janet Mills now. is the governor of Maine, oh, so he doesn't right. have a monocle. I'm sorry.
1: She has a monocle. <laughs> and he's speaking to the queen of the wasps. Perfect. Yeah, so We're that's... We're really being... That's why we don't have any paperwork done is because of, of the wasps. government. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh.
0: Yeah. So, what we wanted to talk about, a couple of things this morning. Um... Number one is to talk about observing nature. Uh, so it's a big part of what we do here, nature observation. Um, and I think there's a there's a little bit of a myth that uh, you know nature observation needs to be or, or the academic side of it, I should yeah. say, needs to be boring, needs to be not interesting. I think of like trudging into some giant monolithic library sitting on the tent floor and looking at field guides and stuff where you're kind of trapped in this concrete mess. And it really doesn't need to be like that. I think that the, the, the hands-on observation, uh, really dovetails nicely with the field, um, academic side of studying, doing a bit of research. But I think it's important that we start, we should always start with the wonder of something. So you start with the wonder where you're sort of in awe of all the cool stuff. Like I think of the The first, the very first night at the field school in 2008, uh, when I saw the pageantry of all the fireflies in the big field, right? It was pretty insane looking up or or you think about seeing like, you know, the first time you see the Northern Lights, um, stuff like that, or even just, you know, the, the whiskey jacks that, that, that are always around and hanging around and the, you know, the first time you interact with them, um it's neat but then when you add a little bit of background research and study into it you learn so much cool stuff that it makes it
1: neater it makes the it, it magnifies the experience yeah i i think that if you do one or the other if you only do one or the other you're missing out on um you know if you're if you do the academic studies and then go and observe whatever animal or plant you're um you just learned all these all these facts about, then it helps those facts to sort of fall into the puzzle piece. That is the ecosystem that that thing lives in or the puzzle. Yeah. To fall into the place in the puzzle that is the ecosystem they live in.
0: Yeah, I would agree with you. Um, And I think one of the dangers with uh, being surrounded by nature, like we are here 24 seven is just the idea that you sort of become immune to being excited about it. Yeah. So there's a really interesting topic I heard a guy discuss once and it was the idea of vuja day. So it's sort of like déjà vu but it's essentially going through life with the eyes of a tourist. So and it's a little psychological trick that you can uh, play on yourself but you know imagine that your everyday environment that you see all the time it's imagining that you're not used to it, and it's, it's looking at the mundane, it's looking at the environment you see every day with new eyes. That's what, that's what I mean by Day. so looking at something with the eyes of a tourist. So for example, you know I don't know how many hundreds, maybe thousands of times I've walked to Moose Vegas um, from here. But, you know, constantly looking, constantly looking around, trying to see new things, trying to see things with new eyes, right? Looking, looking at the plants differently, looking at the birds, looking, you know, a different, maybe looking at a different perspective of looking into the woods and the trees and how they grow and, you know, things like that. So looking at the world that you see every day with new eyes. And that's just a great way to um, really build nature observation uh, and nature appreciation
1: into your daily routine. I think it works really well for me i really enjoy it yeah i would agree entirely i think especially the long especially on these long-term courses there's the opportunity for um you know if you went to a weekend course and it was all indoors and you did all if you over a weekend did all the academic work that our students do up here um you wouldn't get as much out of it because you wouldn't be spending the time um interacting with those things uh in the way that you're in the way that you're saying in the way that helps you to Sort of like re, like jumpstart that sense of wonder because because you're seeing it every day.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, and going back to starting with the wonder, uh, it's okay if you don't know the names of everything, yeah. right? It's okay if you don't. Uh, it's okay to just appreciate it, and I think that's something that gets lost too in the sort of the mania of classification and ordering everything and you know, knowing the names of everything that it's perfectly fine just to go and appreciate it because it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I give the example of one time when I was a younger man, I was scuba diving somewhere in the tropics and, you know, big, beautiful coral reef. And I didn't know the names of anything. Couldn't, couldn't name any of the, the fish or the corals or anything I was seeing, but I was just, you know, awestruck by just how amazingly beautiful it was. And that is a perfectly appropriate response, right? We don't have to know the names of
1: everything to appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. And I think that the the (laughs) desire to understand comes, the desire to understand the natural world that you're interacting with doesn't come from the desire to classify it. I think it stems from that, that wonder that you're talking about, that sort of curiosity that is such a human thing. And then, you know, and then we add on all the classification and stuff. And that's helpful if you're, you know, trying to build a deeper knowledge of it, but it always has to start and come back to that sense of wonder. I think.
0: Yeah, definitely. So one last big topic for today, something that we touch on week one, uh, always. And that's the idea of what is your baseline? Um, so baseline would be the, the routine that you live, that you're used to, and it can apply to a whole bunch of different things. For example, our baseline around here, when we're, Traveling on the trail for cooking is to hang pots over an open fire, right? If you live in down, you know, on the hundredth floor of a New York City apartment building, your baseline for cooking is probably like a little electric cooktop or an electric stove. So, the idea about having a baseline, um, and especially, you know, living uh, close to the land, living a bit rough, and having a baseline that's really simple is that. If ever anything challenging happens, uh, and maybe your uh, the upgrade that you have to the baseline stops working, you can always revert back to the baseline. So, for example, if my baseline is to sleep in an open shelter in front of a fire, cook over the fire, um, and to my bathroom is a little spot in the woods, uh, there's not a whole lot <laughs> that somebody could take from me to make me have to reevaluate my baseline. So. There's something really, uh, really wonderful about having, at least for short periods of time, a super low-tech, easy-to-accomplish baseline. Because when you get used to living that way, everything else is just an upgrade. You know, I always like to uh, explain that it's always fun for me to go home at the end of the fall semester after having spent roughly six months kind of kicking around in the woods. And the field school is getting pretty cushy, so it's not really like that anymore. But it's always fun to go home, and then you know you turn the faucet, and hot water comes out. You know, and you know I just get excited whoa, about stuff whoa, without out, lighting a fire. Without lighting it a just fire, shows up you, there. you turn this thing, and hot water comes out of this wow. metal thing that sticks up out of the counter. Um, and you know, a couch. You know, uh, it's a big chair that's really comfortable that I can lean back on. That's really plush and cushy. So. I I will start to giggle like a little kid and just talk about how awesome it is to be a human and that our species has invented really cool things, right? Like whoopee pies. Whoopee pies. Uh, but being able to sit on a couch after taking a like a hot shower or washing your hands or something mm-hmm. in, with water you didn't have to build a fire for, and then be entertained by this electric box that sits on the wall, like pretty. It's pretty magical oh, stuff. Yeah. Um, So, you know, but the idea is to consider all of those upgrades and the baseline is something that no one could ever take away from you. So if your baseline is kind of foraging around for food, sleeping. Whoop, there's a dog at the door. If if your baseline is foraging for food, um, you know, sleeping in open shelters or sleeping rough in a tent or something, you think that you know, regardless of which path your life goes down from that point, there's not much that they can take from you. So, and being appreciative of, of the things that you have when you're, when you're living like that and not, you know, we are creature of of very few needs and countless wants. So to, when you're out living close to the land like that, thinking about, it's easy to sort of think about all the, the conveniences and stuff that other people have. But you think about the experience that
1: you're having living that way. And
0: it's it's pretty glorious. Oh, yeah. It,
1: you know, I spend a good amount of time splitting wood up here just to cook over and keep warm and stuff. And then you go even just like the drive home when we finish in the fall with heat in my car for, you know, six or seven hours. is pretty amazing without having to. I don't have to physically do anything to make it be there, you know. Yeah. Or, you know, the classic case at the end of like a two week
0: long snowshoe trip oh. where you're just, uh, you know, your body's the engine, you're either working hard physically or you're in the tent, you know, in, in close quarters with everybody else. And then that, that first time you sit down and there's like a heat source that you're not having to feed with wood constantly. Yep. And, um, it's always interesting for me cause I'm usually driving the vehicle. So as soon as we get in and everybody gets comfortable, bam, everybody's instantly asleep yep. and <laughs> it's all I can do to stay awake. Uh, yeah oh yeah but just that idea of you know what's your what's your baseline and then what what are the upgrades to your baseline so you think uh, an approach like that could be super useful for people if there's ever like a natural disaster you know in the winter time when people lose power uh lose electricity, and all the, the the modernly designed houses won't work because they don't have a constant supply of electricity coming in so if you're listening to this out there in podcast land, ask yourself, what is my baseline and how could I lower
1: that baseline to where, you know, I'm more self-sufficient and self-reliant? What? So that's advice from the Jack Mindbush school. Lower your standards. <laughs> <laughs> I say that as a joke, but it's true. I, aim low. It, aim low. It just <laughs> it, it, it is. It's a it's a true thing. Like if you're if you sort of what makes you comfortable is a lower standard than everyone else around you, your life's just easier. Yeah, it really is. And then, in addition to, you really appreciate those little upgrades you get, you know, when you
0: get them. Yeah, it, and you're, you know, you're just super excited about it and happy about it. And and this is, I realize that we're we we are treading in the water of very deep philosophical thoughts. That's Yeah, point. but we only tread in it though. <laughs> we only tread the water. We're passing through very briefly. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs>
0: Um, but yeah, ask yourself that. You know, what what are my baseline? What's my baseline in this situation? And then what are the upgrades that I'm enjoying? With the idea that the upgrades could go away at any time and you're left back with the baseline. And if you're okay with that, life's an easier, an easier, more fun experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think that's all I've got. We better get that Yeah, if that we keep treading, and, we're going to drown. Yeah, the dog at the, <laughs> the door crying. The dog at the door is crying. So... Uh, thank you very much for spending a little bit of your Sunday with us. Um, we really appreciate it. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with somebody or leave us a review. Or if you listen to this before, I say that every time, so you know what the, you know what to do. Yep, you know what to do. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Catch you again later. You have been listening to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast. For more information on our professional wilderness guide training programs that are college accredited and GI Bill approved, visit us on the web at jackmtn.com.